0: How's everybody this morning? I have to figure out which one of these specs are the good ones. Hmm. I don't know. Apparently I need stronger ones. <clears throat> Maybe I'll try both of them. <laughs> hey, I want to invite you to open up to... Acts chapter 10, we're going to read together from verse 24. And as we do and as we prepare ourselves for what the Lord has for us, for the next three weeks or so, we're going to be talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and trying to lay out you know what that's all about on the pages of Scripture and, and where and what we need as a part of that in our lives. So as we're preparing for that, I want to make sure everybody's able to come and be a part. So next week... Everything is normal, so you don't have to remember next week. But the week after that, time changes. The devil (laughs) instituted daylight savings, and I'm not playing. So starting March 10th, forevermore, we're gonna be at ten. I'm sorry. Scratch that. We're gonna be at nine and eleven. Nine and eleven will be our service times. So for those of you who are dying and oh my gosh, there's no possible way I could go to church at eight o'clock in the morning. It's inhuman. Good news. If you don't set your clocks back, you almost be on time when you show up to church. So. We're going to start our services at 9 and 11. Everybody understand? From March 10th on 9 and 11. 9 and 11. If you come at 10, you'll be early for the 11 o'clock service. Congratulations. You'll be able to find the seat you've always wanted. (laughs) So we'll be able to get uh, all that information out to the right folks to make sure everybody understands. As we take a look this morning, I'm excited because I feel like I felt like for a long time that the Lord wanted to do something here. You know, people always, I don't know, I, I, I read about the incredible things that happen in revivals around the globe and throughout time. They always happen somewhere else. Have you ever noticed that? They always happen somewhere else. I think God wants to do something here. I think God wants to do something in and through us. And I think the things we're going to be talking about the next three weeks are vital if we're going to see that move of of the spirit occur in our midst and we're going to see God move in power here i'm always struck by the concept as we read the book of acts and then i look at my life and i say why is that so different and why can i read the book of acts and i would comfort myself once upon a time and say well that was then it was a special time but now it's it's no more you know the lord's not going to move like that he's not going to do those things he's not going to Uh, still accomplished. So I think the heart of God is still the same. I don't think God's heart has changed. I think what we see in time is man's heart changes. I was sharing earlier, if you want to see a a study in hopelessness, do a study on the history of the church. Because the church in history... ...is full of knuckleheads. Of course, it's not any different than the study of the history of man. You see the same thing there. But what we see is that the church becomes this thing, you know, and and it doesn't really resemble what, what we read about in the book of Acts. And what happens is the Spirit of God is poured out someplace... And an awakening takes place. A revival occurs. People's hearts are turned to the Lord. And we see this radical wave move through the body of the church. And for a time, the church is who she's supposed to be. And then things cool. And the church goes back to being full of people who have problems. And we are knuckleheads sometimes. And we get off track. And we go into another time where it's stale and it doesn't appear to be what we see on the page of Scripture. And then the Spirit of God moves again in the hearts of men and an awakening occurs. Revival takes place and amazing things begin to happen again. Well, I read those things and I look at it and I long for that to happen. But listen, God's heart is not that there's supposed to be a revival every hundred years. God's heart is that we live in a state of revival all the time. It's not God who, who is running out of juice. It's us. And I think it runs directly back to the concept of what it is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What it means to be being filled with the power that God promises. And what we need to adjust in our lives so that we can experience that daily. Daily. Not every hundred years. And I think God wants to do that. I think God wants to move in big ways. I think God wants to answer prayers that have been left unanswered for years because we find our hearts have been sideways and God wants to get us on track. I think God wants to move in power in our midst. I think God wants to move in power in our families. I think God wants to move in power in our neighborhoods. I think the world is dying to see who the church is supposed to be. Yes. The bride of Christ. Yes. And we can always wait for that to start somewhere else. But why not here? Amen. Why not now? Well, Buell's so far off the map. The Spirit of God can't move in this place. And we're talking about some off-the-map places when we read Scripture, let me tell you. I've been and visited them. <laughs> you want to talk about off-the-map. I think God wants to move. I think God wants to work. Let's read together from verse 24. It says, The following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Peter lifted him up and said, stand up, I myself am also a man. By the way, apparently Peter was not aware that he was Pope yet. He He didn't receive worship. He didn't ask for worship. He's just another man. He lifts him up and he said to them, he went in and found many who had come together. And he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company ...with or to go to one of another nation. But God has shown me I should not call any man uncommon or unclean. Wow. Therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. And I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour. Well at the ninth hour I prayed in my house and behold... ...a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius... Your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon a Tanner by the sea. And when he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth. And he said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by Him. And the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised on the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness, that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Now while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because a gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard him speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. and, And they asked him to stay a few days. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we... Thank you for the truth of your word, for what your word indicates to us. Lord God, I pray that you would give unto us eyes to see and a heart willing to receive your word. Father, that we would have ears to hear. Lord God, that we would receive the word that you have for us this morning. We give you thanks just that we can be here in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Wow, it's a pretty incredible thing. Now, in case this story sounds familiar to you at all as we read the book of Acts, this is the fourth time that we've seen the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of interesting to me that we argue so much within the church about what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is or what the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't, but it's indicated on the page of Scripture so often. Acts chapter 1. Jesus tells his disciples, 120 gathered in the upper room, wait until you have been endowed with power. Luke 24, 49 instructed his disciples the exact same thing. Until you receive the promise of the Father, for you will be endowed with power. You will receive what is necessary for you to be used the way that God wants to use you. So that's what the Lord instructs them to do. They're waiting in the upper room, the Bible tells us when the day of Pentecost had fully come, which literally means when it was being fulfilled, the Holy Spirit came upon them in power. Remember tongues of fire over their heads? They began to speak with other languages, and then Peter went outside. The people gathered. Why did the people gather? Because they heard the rushing wind blowing through the temple. We heard a rushing wind a couple of nights ago. Were you guys listening to that? <laughs> I didn't know. I was I, almost... <laughs> I almost woke Kathy up and said, maybe we should be in the basement. I looked out the window and a school desk was blowing by. You think, oh, come on. Well, go by my house. It's still in my yard. School desk. I don't know what school. <laughs> Actually, it's Kathy's. She decorates with school desks. I don't know, it happens. <laughs> rushing wind, and the people come to hear the rushing sound, and what are they? Met by Peter, giving the greatest message ever preached, in language that they could understand. He wasn't speaking in tongues, he was speaking plainly. And he, and he spoke the word, and then the people said, what should we do? They were cut to the quick, and he said, repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Man. But you know, we as people, we tend to forget things, right? So in chapter 4, the same guy who was baptized of the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter, in Acts chapter 2, in chapter 4, he's beginning to be a little bit uptight about the persecution that's coming on the church. So he prays that God would once again fill him with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that the place where they were gathered together shook and they were once again filled with the power of the Holy Spirit so they would speak boldly the Word of God. That's two. Same guy. That means that the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the filling of the Holy Spirit or whatever you want to call it, whatever makes you happy, you call it what makes you happy. The same word in the Greek, so I don't care which one you call it. Baptism, filled, received, it's all the same. It happens more than once. Happened at least twice for Peter. Peter. But we're not done yet because we're going to talk about Acts chapter 8. You remember Acts chapter 8? We had men full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen and and Philip. And Philip went to to Samaria and began to preach the word of God. And people got saved. And the apostles heard that the people were saved and they were gathered in that place. So, So the apostles came down and they laid hands on them and prayed for them. And they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's three times. They receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And after them, we are introduced to a guy named Saul. You remember Saul? He's the guy that was there when they killed Stephen. And later on, Saul, he's persecuting the church. He's on his way to Damascus, and the Lord shines down upon him, and he drops to his knees, and he's introduced personally to the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes to faith. He comes up, he stands up after that encounter, and he's blind. They lead him by the hand to a straight called street in Damascus. A straight called street. A street called straight. I got a long ways to go and a short time to get there. So, <clears throat> so he, they take him to a street called straight. I'm not going to say it again. And he's laying there for three days without food and water. And the Lord speaks to Ananias. He says, Ananias, I want you to go to him. And I want you to anoint him with oil. And I want you to pray for him that his sight will be returned. And Ananias goes and sees Saul. And he lays hands on him. He says, I'm here to pray that your sight would be returned. And what else? that you would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what happens at that moment? He gets up, he can see, and he starts to preach. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, that's another time. We have Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, we see that this man is not even saved yet. But an angel appears to him and says, you need to get Peter to come over here. Now, they live in the town Caesarea, which is interesting to me, because that guy Philip, you remember the guy Philip from Samaria? And then he met the Ethiopian eunuch, and then he was translated by God to another place, Zodas, And then he traveled up to Caesarea, he lives in Caesarea. God didn't say, go talk to Philip, he just lives a couple blocks away. God said, go get Peter. So they go and they get Peter down in Joppa. Peter's at the beach in Joppa, enjoying the day, out on the beach, he said enjoying his time the holy spirit says to him three guys are coming to you he responds to what the holy spirit says he invites those three guys in even though they're gentiles and it's against the law for him to be sleeping in the same area as them having them in, into his house then he does even worse he follows them and he goes to cornelius's house where cornelius is waiting to hear this amazing word from god cornelius's heart has been prepared by the holy spirit he has gathered all his friends, all his family, anybody he could run into on the street. He said, you've got to come to my house. This guy Peter's coming to my house, and he's going he's to tell us something we all need to hear. I don't know what it is, but I know it's going to be great. And Peter shows up, and he says, hey, um, okay, these three guys came and got me. What do you guys need? And Cornelius says, well, the angel told me that, to call for you, and that you would show up, that you have a word for us, so we're ready, go. So Peter. Begins to preach. He don't even finish his message, get to an altar call. He doesn't give them an opportunity to raise their hands if they want to receive the Lord. He doesn't give them an opportunity to walk down up front. He doesn't even give them an opportunity to get baptized yet. He's just preaching. And in the midst of his preaching, they believe the things that he's saying. They get saved. The Holy Spirit comes upon them and they begin to speak in tongues and glorify God. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number five, I lost count. How many times has God got to tell us something before we say, you know, maybe there's something about this baptism of the Holy Spirit? Paul, later on in the book of Ephesians, is going to write in Ephesians chapter 5, that you and I and every believer on the face of the earth is to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples in their baptism, Uh, At the day of Pentecost, the scripture says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not any different. It's the same thing. It's the empowerment that God brings. The empowerment that we see in Acts chapter 10. In case that's not enough time for you, in Acts chapter 19, we're going to see it again. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Today, the church In in large part, not everyone, not everywhere, but the church in large part is powerless. And we see a lot of lives that are not changing. And we see a lot of prayers going unanswered. And we're not seeing the power of God moving in our midst like we see the power of God moving in the scriptures. The Bible tells me, whatsoever I ask in Jesus' name, believe that you will receive it and you'll have it. Now, what, what what do people do with that teaching? They run off with that teaching and they think that that means I can ask for a, a Lexus or a new car or more money or more riches. Wait a minute. Back up. Um, when we come to Jesus, you and I officially move off the throne. And then our life no longer centers around us. Our life now centers around him. When we ask something according to his name, it's for his glory. So if we're praying for a healing, and the person who wants healed just wants healed so they can live a few more days, I don't know if that's according to God's will. I don't know if that's according to God's plan. Because he doesn't want to live his life for the Lord, he just wants to live his life some more. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we see within the, the body of Christ a lack of power, a lack of spiritual maturity, a lack of understanding about what the Word says and what the Word teaches. And as far as I'm concerned, I think it all stems back to this idea that we think we can confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. And that's as far as it goes. Listen, the Bible says confess with your mouth. The Bible tells us to repent. That means I turn from my sin. The Bible calls me to turn my back on the world. That I'm running toward the Lord. The Bible tells me to walk in obedience with Him. The Bible says that if I love the world and things of the world, the love of God is not in me and I'm not His. Wow. Man, that's a, that's a lot of, of, of scripture. What's going on? What's going on is, is we seem to lack the power that God desires to see in our lives And we lack that power because we, like the church in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, are in need of the empowerment of God or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Please don't get hung up on the terms. Like I said, you call it what you want. The filling, the indwelling. When you ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, let's get theologically sound. When you ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and He is in you. Jesus said in, in John 16 that He is alongside he's with you he's drawing you and he will be in you you ask jesus to be your lord and savior he moves in what's the bible say your body is what the temple of the holy spirit your body's his temple that's where he lives god the holy spirit lives inside of the life of a believer the disciples had that too in john chapter 20 but Jesus said, you still need to wait for something more. You need to wait for power. You need to wait for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the dunamis, the dynamite that comes from God, the manifestation of His Spirit working in your life for what purpose? In Matthew 28, there's only one purpose for us as believers. There's only one. Go into all the world and make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them the things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the age. That's the only responsibility for the believer, making disciples. That's every believer. All of us. Everybody. How do we do that? In Acts 1.8, we're told that the ability to be His witness is directly related to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Man, we need it. Yes. Do you ever feel like your, your Christianity is without power? I mean, I, I know in whom I have believed and I'm persuaded he's able to keep me. I, I put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. All those things are going on. All those things are great, but there's just, I'm missing something. It's like when you leave home and you know something's left on. You ever done that? Kathy does that sometimes. <laughs> Occasionally, she will kill the battery in her car. I say occasionally because it is more like often. (laughs) She'll leave lights on and her battery will be dead. It always happens at times that it's not easy to do anything about. She left me a note. I got up this morning about 3.30 to a note. Hey, you need to jump my car. The battery's dead. 3.30 in the morning. One time her battery was dead and so I jumped the car and I got it running and I went and I said, babe, leave the car running for a while, but in about, I don't know, 30 minutes to an hour, turn off. I went to work, worked all day long, I came home, I don't know, 10 hours later. The car is still running in the driveway. (laughs) I just know that Kathy is in the house going, Seems like I forgot something. (laughs) She wonders, you know, I wonder why there's no gas in the car all the time. I don't know. (laughs) Hopefully most of the time she remembers to turn it off when she gets the car home. Sometimes in our faith, I go around in my faith and my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and I feel like something's missing. that Empowerment. And we get satisfied in that place. We become indifferent. We don't care that something's missing. We just assume this is all there is. Listen, this is not all there is. There is so much more available for us. And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about. One of the things that, that I want to go through the pages of Scripture and, and understand about the promise of God. The promise of God that he told us to wait for. The promise of God in Acts chapter 2 verses 38 and 39 where Peter said repent and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That promise. The promise he says is for you and for those who are far off. To as many as the Lord our God will call. So, folks, that promise is for you too. That promises for me. That promises for us. Yes. That our relationship with God would be a relationship empowered. Not without power. Not without strength. Missing on so many of these things. And Whenever we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I have to say this. It is not given to us just to make you happy. Now you may be happy as a result, but that's not the purpose. Remember, when we give our life to Jesus Christ, we are giving ourselves away. It is no longer I who live, Paul said, but Christ who lives in me. It's no longer about me. It's, it is relatively frustrating to hear believers focus on self. Now, I can say that it's relatively frustrating because being a believer, I do the same thing. I shared with you guys before, I did a 21-day fast and the Lord continued to point out day after day after day areas of my life where I am thinking about self first then thinking about others. Philippians chapter 2, doesn't the Bible tell us in Philippians chapter 2 to not just focus on ourselves but look out for the needs of others? Doesn't Philippians 2 tell us to have the mind of Christ? Jesus, is that what we would say about Jesus when we look at Jesus? While well, he was pretty focused on self, right? Selfish guy, was all about his time, his needs, his wants, his... Well, he was truly other-centered and he calls us to be the same way. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for my personal entertainment... It's not so that my name might be glorified. If I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit working my life so that I can become a more powerful preacher, that's wrong. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life, the power of God working my life, so that His name is glorified. I don't care if anybody remembers me, an iota. I'm just not that great a guy. He, on the other hand, is awesome, amazing. It's incredible. So it's all about Him. It's not about me. So we should not, in our focus as we look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we should not look for ecstatic experiences, but power and efficiency for God. That doesn't mean ecstatic experiences don't come. Please don't misunderstand me. I absolutely believe in ecstatic experiences. What I mean by that is the things we'll talk about in the coming couple of weeks, which will be tongues prophecy, the uh, the word of knowledge, the, those gifts, manifestations of the Spirit that comes to our life. Yes, those things are given. Yes, those things are gifted. And those things are things that we are. it's okay to ask for and to seek the Lord over. But our goal cannot be so that I receive something, so that I get something, so that I am a part of this at all. The whole point of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Lord. The whole point of a healing is so that the Lord's name may be glorified and magnified. The whole point behind all that stuff is to point to Jesus. If we're pointing to anything or anyone else, we're out of balance. The Holy Spirit came to show us Jesus, right? That's his primary obligation in our life. Not to exalt man or one person over another, or an experience. But to point to Jesus Christ, to empower us to be who Jesus wants us to be. To live a transformed life. Listen, if you can say, my life is utterly transformed, and all these things that we're going to talk about, I'm experiencing in my life. Praise God, you're on track, you're walking in the Spirit, you're filled with the Spirit, you have power moving in your life now make disciples come along other people and, and now where there's only one, let's have two. When there's two, let's have four. When there's four, let's have eight. Let's be multiplying that concept among us. But as we go through these things, if you say, you know, that's lacking in my life, then you need to go to the Lord and ask Him to give it to you. Because the things we're going to talk about are all promises and works that the Holy Spirit does in the life of every single believer. Not most, all. This is what he does. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit all about? It's all about receiving power. Think about Acts eight. Acts eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. The word is martus. It means martyr. The Bible in Romans chapter 12 says that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, another way of saying that in the Greek is martus or witness, to be a witness. You ever wonder how to be a witness, to be those people that the, the Bible talks about, that do those incredible things, you know? Well, like Saeed Abedini, who's in even uh, prison, Evan prison in, in Iraq. They're torturing him currently to get him to renounce his faith. That's the latest news that has come out. The whole goal of their torture is so that he would choose to renounce his faith and go back to being a Muslim. And he said, there's not any way I'm ever going to do that. So one of two things is going to happen. The guys who are torturing him are going to run out of energy and give up. Or he's going to die. We... As his brothers and sisters, we need to be praying for his strength and his security and that God would move in his life. But the power to be who he's being right now in the face of those torturers, that power comes from the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit of whom you are the temple. Who lives inside of you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. That's pretty incredible power. In case you were wondering, and it certainly is incredible enough to transform your life. I'm going to tell you about somebody. Her name is Esther An Kim. She lived in uh, the late uh, 30s, 1930s, 1940s. She was in Korea during World War II. She would not bow down to the idols that were required to bow down to, so she was aware that a result of her choice to be a follower of Jesus Christ was going to lead her to prison. Here's what she did. Knowing that she was destined for prison, for refusing to bow to the idols, she spent time training herself physically and spiritually. How did she train herself physically? She would eat only food that was rotten or decaying, because she knew that that was the food that she would be fed. She memorized a hundred chapters in the Bible and multiple hymns, because she knew when they put her in prison, she wasn't going to have a Bible, and she would need to have them memorized. And she was right. The time came. They came for her, and she was in prison from 1939 to 1945. 1945. One night they put another woman in in the prison there near her, a Chinese woman convicted of killing her husband. This woman beat on the door until the guards came in and chained her arms behind her. They left her that way, chained up on the ground, unable to, to get up, unable to move, unable to use the restroom, unable to do any of those things, just laying on the ground, stuck in her own excrement. Esther on Kim would lay down near her and hold her feet and give warmth to the feet of this woman who was laying there awaiting death. After warming her feet for a few nights, she began to share her meals with her. So she went without food for three days to make sure that this Chinese woman had enough food. Then she began to speak the word of God that she had memorized. And this woman came to faith in the middle of a dark prison, chained up, laying in the filth that you can't even begin to imagine. And Esther and Kim was right there in it with her. God's instrument to touch her life. Within a few days of receiving the Lord, they came and grabbed her and put her to death. But she is alive in Christ. That's what God can do through a spirit-filled person who's willing to say, there is nothing I won't renounce, there is nothing I won't give up, even my comfort and freedom, for the opportunity to be used by God in some measure, in some way. Do you want to be used by God like that? Because sometimes our desire for comfort really outweighs our willingness to give up things. To lay things down. Hey, God doesn't call us all to do that. Praise the Lord. But let me tell you what He does tell you. He tells every one of us to have that attitude that says, I will give up anything for the truth of Jesus Christ, to be utilized by Him, to see God move in power in our midst. Is there something you would not surrender for the Lord? Because it needs to be surrendered, it needs to be given up, it needs to be laid aside. We want to see the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, enabling us to be witnesses like this woman, like Saeed in Iran, and like many others whose names we may never know, and others whose names we will. So we're going to talk about several things that the Spirit promises to every single believer. Everyone. And here's what I want you to do. You decide whether or not that's in your life. If it's not there, then you are in need of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You are in need of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You are in need of being filled and be being filled consistently so that these things are a part of your normal experience. Because that's what the Word of God says they are. The Spirit helps us speak when we are in precarious situations and we need to bear witness. If we find ourselves in a situation, dangerous situation, and we don't know what we're supposed to say. Maybe we found ourselves uh, facing a, someone who's knocked on our door and who's trying to confuse us about our faith. And we are left without an answer. We're standing there not knowing what to say or what to do. Listen, the Bible says that the Spirit working in your life will speak through you not sometimes not most of the time Jesus said but when they arrest you and deliver you up do not worry beforehand nor premeditate what you will speak but whatever is given in that hour speak that for it is not you who speak but the holy spirit Jesus said the spirit would give us utterance the spirit will bring to our minds Now the Spirit is only going to bring to the minds the things you actually read. So if you never read the Bible or spend any time in the Word, you're going to struggle in this area. But this should be a marked part of your life. The Holy Spirit gives you a word when you need the Word to share with someone who needs an answer. Next we see that the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, teaches and reminds us of what we need to know and remember. For He is our comforter, our advisor, our encourager. He's our strength. He guides us in the way that we should go. The Holy Spirit is leading us. Do you ever wonder what you're supposed to do next? What is God's will for me? Do I, do, do I go to the left or do I go to the right? What shall I do in this next moment? Listen to what the Word of God says. Word of God tells in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at verse 9. It is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. Oh, oh, well. It also says, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of him who is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. God wants you to know his will. God wants you to know the direction to take. God wants to reveal those things and they are revealed in your life by the Holy Spirit which searches the deep things of God. And the Spirit is able to guide and able to direct. When Paul doesn't know where to go and he cries out to the Lord, I want to go this way. But I, I got sick when I tried to go that way and I want to go this way. And, and he, he has a vision. And the vision is a man of Macedonia saying, come here. And he wakes up and says, oh, Lord, you want me to go to Macedonia? Let's go. And he goes. He's obedient. He responds to what the Spirit gives. Listen, sometimes we find ourselves in a practice, a practice of resisting the Holy Spirit. And the more we resist the Holy Spirit, the less we will hear from him. The more we resist, the less we hear. The Lord's convicting you of sin. He's working in your life. The Holy Spirit is saying, this is an area of your life that you need to clean up, that you need to turn away from. And you resist and you resist and you resist. You will grow deaf. Because you're not willing to step out and be obedient to what the Spirit has shown you. To the problem that is in your life. This is the Counselor who teaches. Next we know that from the Spirit we receive power to be God's witnesses to the ends of the earth. Not only does the Holy Spirit draw believers to the Lord because no man seeks God without the Holy Spirit drawing him. But also the Holy Spirit brings to our remembrance the things we need to share. Also the Holy Spirit convicts the heart of sin The Holy Spirit is doing all of these works. He empowers us to be who God wants us to be. His witnesses to the ends of the earth. When was the last time you witnessed, you shared the gospel, what Jesus Christ has done for you with someone else? That's not a job for those who are evangelists. It's like, oh, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Listen, there's one commission to every believer. One commission, every believer. Go into all the world, make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them the things which I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. That's the one commission. We're to utilize the gifts He's given us to, toward that one commission. The power to share, the power to witness, the power to bear witness for the Lord God is given to us by the Holy Spirit. In Romans eight twenty six, it says, For likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. It should give you comfort to know that the Holy Spirit is praying for you. On top of that, Jesus Christ is making intercession for you. Two members of the triune God are constantly praying for your success. If we're walking in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, this is part of our life. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is the power that he gives us, and this is the purpose for which he gives that power. By the power of the Spirit, we put to death the misdeeds of the body. The Spirit sets us free from the sins that we cannot get rid of on our own. The Holy Spirit sets us free from the struggle of sin in our life. Romans 8.2 For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Are you experiencing victory over sin in your life? Is there a sin, not that you struggle with, but a a sin that you're unable to gain victory over? The power of the Holy Spirit working in your life provides the victory to set you free. The Holy Spirit provides the power to give you the victory to set you free from that sin. doesn't mean you won't struggle, won't mean you won't be tempted. It just means you get free by the power of the Holy Spirit flowing in your life, empowering you. I haven't even got to the wild stuff yet. We're just talking about the normal stuff. Are these the things that mark your life? If not, you are in need of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You are not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. You are walking in the flesh. If we walk in the Spirit, then we're going to experience these things in our life. Next we see that through the Spirit... We receive the spirit of adoption as children, which leads us into intimacy with the Father and a relationship that is not based on fear or slavery. Well, Think about it. We're, we're told in the scriptures, in, in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 16, it says, "...you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear." Spirit of bondage. That's what a lot of religions do. They put you in a spirit of bondage. The do's and don'ts. you got to do this, and if you do this, you're going to please God. And some of us live our life thinking that I'm going to please God by doing the do's and the don'ts. Or not doing the don'ts and doing the do's. And focusing on the work that I need to do and these things that i got to accomplish. And if I do enough, if I pray enough, if I give enough, if I sacrifice enough, then and then only will I see, will I see... God's happy with me. But that's not what Romans says. Romans 8 says we didn't receive the the spirit of bondage to fear. What we did is we received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba Father, Daddy. That that's the way we come to the Father. That's not a father who's demanding obedience from a slave. That's a father who loves his children. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Man, we have been adopted. We're part of the family. What does that mean in terms of our performance? It means that it's the love of Christ that compels me. It's His love given for me. That's why I'll do or give or lay down anything. It's not out of an attitude of fear that I've got to pray more. I've got to give more. I've got to do more so God will be happy. God's happy with me because He's my Father. And I'm His child. The prodigal son who wandered and got lost and was out in no man's land eventually decided to go home just so he could be a slave. That's the spirit of bondage to fear. But as soon as the father saw the son, what did the father do? He got up and ran. He threw his arms around his son. son's trying to speak, Dad, I want to be your slave. His son can't even get out the words. The father's got his arms around him. He's stripping off his robe. He's putting his robe around the son. He's pulling off his ring, putting the ring on his son. What does that mean? Son, you're forgiven. You were dead, but now you're alive. My son has returned. That's the relationship that we have with the father. A relationship of love by adoption. He loves us. He's made us heirs and joint heirs with Christ. It's not out of fear that we do anything. Why do we do what we do? The love of Christ compels me. Because He loved me. I want to love Him. That's my motivation. Not for me. It's to love Him. It's to glorify Him. It's to point to Him. Next we see that the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. He does this both before we've come and after we've come, the Holy Spirit, part of the job, John chapter 16, is to convict the world of sin. The Holy Spirit will do that in my life after I become a believer. Before I'm a believer, the Holy Spirit will convict me that my life is sideways. It's, there's got to be more to this. That's the Holy Spirit working in people's lives. After I come to faith, he doesn't give up that job. He still tells me, just the, not that many weeks ago, he's been telling me, "You got, Jackie, you got to work on this whole self thing. And and as I work on my self-issue, it opens my eyes to how much we all struggle with a self-issue. Just about anybody who at one time or another was part of serving the church and decided to stop serving, they stopped serving with that phrase. I. They didn't stop serving because, you know, I was really seeking the Lord and the Holy Spirit is directing me. That I need to do this and I, I need to put my attention here. So as the Lord's directing me, I'm sorry. I'm going to I'm gonna have to go so that I can do what God's calling me here. Well, it's not that. It's, well, I don't like that music. I don't like how you do that. I don't like the way that gets done. Or I really don't like the person in charge of that. Well, let me square it for you. That is self. Period. If you're serving Jesus Christ, who cares what somebody else is doing? You're either serving Him to serve Him, or you're serving for yourself, to honor yourself. And if you're honoring yourself, and those things become a nuisance, you'll bail. But if you're serving Christ, the love of Christ compels you, you're serving Christ, period. Period. Self is off the throne. Allow the Holy Spirit to convict you of sin. Listen, if you don't feel the Holy Spirit's conviction for sin in your life anymore... I have to question whether you're His. He chastens those whom He loves. He corrects us when we're sideways. We want to be sensitive to those things within the Spirit. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit brings us life and freedom. Where the Spirit is, there is freedom, not bondage to slavery. Romans 8, 10, and 11 and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. Are you experiencing life and freedom? Because the Bible says that the spirit of God moving in you, that's a natural occurrence. The one who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He will bring out of you life. Not drudgery and bitterness, life, and a life that is surrendered and submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. We will want to see these things moving. The spirit of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we abound with hope, because our God is a God of hope. Is your life marked with hope? Are you filled with hope today? Because that's what we want. We want to experience that hope of God. Romans 15, 13 says, Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are we filled with hope? Are these the things that we see in our life? Because, man, I haven't even got to the the crazy stuff yet, right? I'm just talking... Plain reality of the Holy Spirit functioning in your life. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. These things are indicative of a life surrendered and empowered by the Holy Spirit. If they're not working in your life, then you are in need of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like the church at Ephesus in Acts 19 or Samaria in Acts chapter 8. If you have been baptized by the Holy Spirit in the past, then you are in need of a constant filling. Daily Moment by moment, day by day, that needs to be a part of our prayer life, desiring to see God move in our midst in that way. The scripture tells us, as members of God's kingdom, listen, each of us is given a manifestation of the spirit. Oh, that's the wild stuff. That's the wild stuff. Which, by the way, I don't want to sound like I don't believe in that. That stuff is vital and important and very much a part of the church today. I grew up in a church of cessationalists that said that that all went away. I had a problem with that. You read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, and you discover that Paul says, those things are all very much still a part of today. Wow. The scripture tells us that the Spirit, as He wills, gives a manifestation of the Spirit to everybody within the body of Christ that is necessary for the body of Christ to function properly. That means you individually are necessary for this body to function right. For you to be utilizing the manifestation of the Spirit in your life here. If you don't, we have a missing piece in the body of Christ. That's what the scripture tells in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, guys. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one... For the profit of all. Everybody gets a gift. And that gift is necessary to be utilized within the body of Christ here. For us to function properly. And that gift is not one that we necessarily want. Though we can ask. The Bible says to earnestly desire the best gift. But the Bible also tells us in verse 11 of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians... One in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each individually as he wills. He gives what he wills to each one of us. And we're to utilize that gifting in the body so that the body is complete. Does that mark our life? Is that something that we're fulfilling Do we know what that is? Because remember, it's the Spirit of God that searches the deep things of God. You want to know what your gift is, all you got to do is ask. The Spirit of God says He will reveal to you the deep things of God. There's no mystery to God that the Spirit can't reveal to your life that enables you to move forward and be obedient in what God wants you to do. Finally, the last thing we're going to look at tonight, I know you're all thinking I'm never going to get to lunch, and and, uh, you will eventually, I promise. The, fear, the, 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 the final thing, the fruit of being led by the Spirit of God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These attitudes and, acts, and actions are characteristics of the body led by the Spirit. Is that a characteristic of your life? Is your life most well known by your love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Is that how you're known? Or are you known by your crankiness? Are you known by how loud you can holler or how much work you can get done? How are you known? The fruit of the Spirit, working through the believer who's anointed by the power of the Spirit, is evident. It's evident. People didn't go up to Jesus and say, you know what really amazes me about Jesus is they said what they saw. His love, His joy, His peace, His long-suffering, His gentleness, His meekness, His self-control. The things that Jesus did that should be evident parts of our lives are these things that are moving and, and working through our life. Because these are all the things, the, the, the working of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers. It's the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. As we begin our journey of discussing the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we begin our journey of looking at what God wants to do and accomplish in our midst, then we have to decide. Then I'm finished and through with, with low living. I'm finished and through with this concept of I just am marking time. I just show up to church. I punch my card. I'm finished. I'm done. Is that really all there is? Because if that's all there is, we could be any religion. What makes us any different from any other religion? All re- the word religion just simply means to bind yourself to a set of rules. But you can bind yourself to any rules. The eightfold path. You can become a Hindu. Work your way down the eightfold path to, to enlightenment. Perfect emptiness. <laughs> That's what they call it. You can do that. What's the difference between that set of rules and our set of rules? There's no difference. It's not about religion. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It's not just any other religion. This is a relationship. He's adopted us into the family of God. We enter into a relationship with the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Man, we have so much, and we're we're just subsisting on this small sliver. Well, God has all this. All those things we talked about today, those aren't for the super duper Christian. Those aren't for the guy who's, who's somehow got something different than what you have. Those are for every single believer. Amen. Everyone. And all that's necessary that, so that we can recognize and feel and, and be equipped to do that is a person to say, man, that's what I want. I want that. The church in Acts chapter 10 that was there with Cornelius waiting for Peter, they were just waiting for an opportunity to receive and believe and be empowered by the Spirit. The Samaritans in Acts chapter 8 were just waiting for the moment to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a victorious life. The disciples, 120 of them gathered in the upper room, are just waiting for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to empower them to be who they want to be. In Acts chapter 19, in Acts chapter 9, it's all the same. It's all the same. You want the Holy Spirit moving in your life in power, you just got to ask. Jesus said in Luke, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to him who asks? If you want that empowerment in your life, you've got to ask. But you don't ask like this. You don't go, yeah, I don't really got nothing else better to do, so Lord, if you could show me that power, that'd be cool. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about asking for something like a thirsty man asks for water. You ever been thirsty? Real, real thirsty? Just parched, mouth dry. You try to swallow a spit, but there's no spit left to swallow. You just got this big old tongue made of cotton in your mouth. Some of you feel it right now. Watch this. Mm. <laughs> wow. Nothing like a cool drink of water just when you need one, huh? That's the way we ask the Lord for the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. You've got to want it. Yes. you got to want to receive it. you got to believe that God will do the things that he says he'll do. In the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about some of the things that hinder, some of the things that... Can bless our ability to be moving and, and 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 being impactful in the spirit, in our in our relationships, in our world, in our communities. But we got to have it, and that all starts with the asking Amen. and believing Thank you, Father. and receiving, apprehending what God promises. Hey, all these guys—they're just obedient. The apostles showed up. Laid hands on some of them and poured oil on them. They received the Holy Spirit. Peter just was preaching to one group. They got the Holy Spirit. Paul, in another time, he lays hands on them and prays. And they received the Holy Spirit. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to come up. We'll have prayer counselors up here who are here solely to pray for you to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to be anointed with oil? We're happy to anoint you with oil. You want to come forward and pray that these gifts, maybe some of these things we talked about are lacking in your life, and you want to specifically ask that the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon you in these areas, then by all means, ask. That's what God's looking for. My father, if I want something, i got to ask for it. I go to my dad and say, Dad, I need, and my dad says, here you go. It's the same way the relationship with my Father in heaven. He will give us those things we need. Amen? Amen? Why don't you stand and we'll close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you for, God, just the truth of your word, Father. And Lord, I just pray that we, we've just barely scratched the surface. There's so much involved in the, the baptism and the indwelling and the filling of your Holy Spirit. And God, if there's any of these areas that we are lacking in, Lord, I do pray, Father, that you would give us the boldness, the strength that says, I'm going to come up and ask for prayer in this area. I'm going to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says when we ask, we believe that we have received and we have those things that we ask for because we know that this is God's will. It's not a question, is this God's will for my life? Absolutely God's will. You will receive the Holy Spirit. He will come upon you in power. Then we got to learn to function in that power, to step out, to be obedient. God, I just pray that you would begin something great as we just look to see you, your name glorified and magnified, Lord Jesus, that your name would be on everyone's lips. That in this community, in this place, God, it's all about Jesus. That's it. It's all about Him. He saves. He does the work. He baptizes in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us the gifts that we need the moment we need them. God, we we need to function in that. We need to walk in that. We need to be immersed in that daily. Lord God, as we just come to a time of worship, as we close out our hearts to these concepts, and we just want to seek Your movement and Your empowering, God, I pray... That you would move in power in our midst, Lord God. And Father, that we would be obedient to ask and to receive that which you have for us. And Lord, we give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As the. Uh...